In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hey, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome, everyone. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, it is, oh, getting on to be close to 8 o'clock here in uh, our area. So it's a late afternoon talk. Yeah. Oh, so. We have. We, I know this one's kind of on me. I, I had uh, said let's talk about evil let's talk about how people decide what evil is and there there are two different points main points to hit and then going off on kind of a a related trail later but the first point is evil is you can you can look at it from all sorts of different angles but it's sort of like darkness and light um evil and good light is something light is the existence of something where darkness is just the absence of something good is the existence of something where evil is its absence so when we look at things that are evil it's because god isn't in it that it's evil it isn't because it it does a specific thing wrong or because it goes a specific bad place, though a lot of times evil does do that. Instead, it's, it's because God's not there that it's evil. I, I take it that's a simple enough approach. You, you agree? It certainly is a fine enough approach. It's going to bring up the immediate question of how do you know if God is in a thing, but it is a fine enough definition. I like the question. Also, it all, it speaks to the idea that evil is benign. It doesn't do new things. So good had to have done it once for evil to have picked it up. Or it has to be a degeneration, a, a defilement of something good, a, a damaged version of something good. And because the way I see it, at least, and we've talked about this before, good is sort of infinite in its ver variety. That the more I wouldn't even I wouldn't even limit it so so shallowly as to say that it is less than, because you could th take <clears throat> something like the Titans, um, or um, the idea that we've spoken before of. Um, Everyone loves ice cream, but not at 50 miles an hour. Everyone likes a pat on the back, but nobody likes a pat on the back every second for the rest of their life, right? So too much of a thing can degrade something just as much as less of a thing, right? Well, so I would be careful. Okay, so we we can, you could say that, but the point is that 
there is always something good at the basis of every evil thing and the that the evil thing is some sort of degeneration of the good thing. How's that? I would say <clears throat> degeneration or expound you know expounding upon something so much so that it's 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 still a degeneration it's a use it's a of something in a way that is that is damaging i just feel like the, the word degeneration the idea of, of getting smaller is moving away from where god put it either too much of or too or that's what degeneration is. means moving oh, away from what it's supposed to be even if it's going to more of or less than yeah i see degeneration I see. just means turning into something it is not supposed to be usually by degrees so the way we judge that here's an interesting um visual that might help people think about that if you've got an, a satellite in orbit if it goes too fast or too slow then it degenerates and flies away or falls down sure that's fine right so de it degenerates by going faster or slower. That's true. Sure, sure. Now, okay. Okay. getting it to go faster could be problematic because you have to add energy. But the point is still that it changes it from where from its intended purpose to something else, more or less than its intended purpose. That is, and and really, you could go with other metrics than more and less more and less is kind of a simple way to look at it there are other perspectives that you could get at it from that would also where you could also say that it's it degenerates but it's always when it changes from its intended purpose into something else that it degenerates it it, it gets more or less than it changes from that that's a degeneration and a lot of times and I'm I'm going to speak to something that isn't as much pop culture as it is Christian culture here. Most of the time, when I um, when I encounter Christians making judgments about whether something is good or evil, it's about whether it whether it follows the commands of Scripture or not. Whether it, whether it conforms to scriptural principles or not. And the way, I would, the way I would look at this is if you're doing something, if you set out to do something, you should intend for the thing you're doing to conform to scriptural principles. That's good. Because it helps to guide you in the direction that you need to go. But when you're judging whether or not something is appropriate... It's really easy to get lost in the weeds when you're asking about whether it conforms to scriptural principles because it doesn't it's it's easy to twist those things in the details to the point where you're arguing about minutia when you should be able to take a single look at something and gather relatively quickly whether it's good or not whether it's and, and this is where we get to how Christ told us to make judgments. He said, you will know them by their fruit. You remember the, the story of the fig tree? 
I think we read that out in one of our previous uh, uh, podcasts. The uh, the fruits of of their uh, their labors. No, the, this is no, a different one. Another okay. Jesus is Jesus is walking with his disciples. This isn't a story he tells. He's walking with his disciples, and he finds a fig tree, and there's no fruit on it. And he says, "Be you cursed." And it withers up and instantly, and his disciples are marveling. How did it wither so fast? And Jesus says, he uses it as a teaching moment. He says, by their fruit, you'll know them. If they, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So this is, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty definitive statement from Jesus. He says, a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And so when we look at most of the things around us in our lives, most of the institutions, whether it's a church or a government or a school or what have you, and we ask, is it bearing good fruit or is it bearing bad fruit? We can know whether it's a good or a bad tree simply by seeing the kind of fruit it produces. And it's the same with most things in our lives. If they're producing good fruit in us, then they're a good thing. And if they're producing bad fruit, then they're not a good thing. And, you know, since I have started doing this writing, it pulls me in to God and makes me more dependent on Him and makes me more reliant on Him every single day. If I'm going to write... I have to trust him. I have to appeal to him. I have to listen to him. I have to conform closely to whatever the Holy Spirit's telling me in order to be effective about writing that day. Because otherwise, what I get down on the page seems to be... It seems to miss the mark. No surprise there. But, but the point is, when something bears good fruit in your life that's an indication that it's a good thing. When it bears bad fruit, that's an indication that it's a bad thing. I feel like that is a wonderful place to start. Um, I would worry, you know, just because I do always sort of try to make sure that I'm right, to double check my work if I'm looking at things. And I would just, this goes for those people that have accepted Christ into their life, right? You, you've got to get to that point first. You can't be crazy and get there. <laughs> well, and, and the bottom line is there are, there are two varieties of people, really. The one variety have closed themselves to God's message and they have set themselves against it. And for those people, it's really hard to help them. Uh, God can, but that's a hard thing. Then there are the people who are open to God's message. And for those people, a lot of times it takes, it takes a lot less to get them there. But one way or another, people have to come to a place where they need him and they want him and they accept him. And that's sort of... I'm trying to think how to put this. The way we were created... Originally, the way Adam and Eve were made, they were made so that things were good. And as stated, well, and and they could grow in any number of directions, and their growth would be good. 
there wouldn't be missing of the mark. There wouldn't be sin involved. They could they could grow into a million different complexities and differences and whatever, and it wouldn't affect their whether it was good or not. But but after sin entered the picture, we we get to this place where we're not capable of any good thing of ourselves. We rely on God for that. We, we have to be acting in his will. We have to be following his lead in order to be able to do good things. And, and so all of humanity lives in this sort of twilight right now where there's no... I'm not even sure how to put it into words. It's like there's no way they can do anything right because however however good or right it is, it's still going to cause harm some way or other unless God's hand is on it. And that's... So what you're saying is right, but it's, it's because you, you've got a binary solution set in one sense. Either you're going up toward God or you're going down away from God. And as you've experienced in your life for many years, you don't have to... You don't have to know that you're moving toward God in order to be moving toward God necessarily, but you do have to move toward him. And in, unless you are, there's nothing good there. There's no there's no positive in it. So I, I don't know how else to speak to that. I'm I have to assume that anybody who's hearing this knows Christ, because if they don't, they need to desperately, whether they know it or not. I would certainly pray and, and be so thankful if we brought anyone to Christ. I would never turn anyone away if they were listening and they weren't there yet. Please come. Well, and, and you know, find a way to get a hold of me. Uh, Jared at e6universe.com is an email address. You can get me right there. You can find me at Modern Apocrypha on Twitter. Um, I'm my name i'm not one of those uh anonymous folks who's hiding his identity you can find me and i will pray with you and i will happily share with you whatever i can to help you but the fact is until people find christ they're run, they're going in a circle and it's a vicious cycle and there's not much that can be done about that except christ hmm. You certainly got to find your uh, individual relationship, otherwise you are playing to one side of the chessboard or another. I mean, there's the powers that are pushing, you know, the, the slogans that are being thrown, the organizations in motion. Um, gosh, what is that? What is that uh, scripture that that says uh, you don't stop right at what I told you to do? Or you don't you don't just prune the branch I told you to prune, you, you take too much. You you don't do what I told you to do specifically. I don't I don't know which one you're speaking of, but I know that there's uh there's a scripture that I'm not able to call to mind right off the top of my head that talks about each of us having to work out our salvation on our own in fear and trembling before God. That it's it's a very individual thing and in that each of us has that relationship with him that we have to cultivate in order to be. Well, sure. And it just flows through the way that you handle 
your reality and your world. If if you hear um, from a place um, of subservience, uh, we both have worked in a warehouse and you hear a plan is coming across for the, the building, depending on whether or not you're at the lowest level, a mid-level manager, um, a safety officer, a mechanic, each person is gonna look at that plan in an individual manner. That plan doesn't mean each person's gonna have the same task or change with that plan implementation. And people get into these mass hysterias where they say, here's the plan, that's that's where we're going. And they don't look at their place for that plan at all. Right? They, somehow sure. they, they've got themselves separated out from a real world task they're assigned to do and thinking of something separate as if there's something separate. <laughs> there's nothing separate. And your spiritual life and your and your everyday life they they're one and the same and they, they they flow together and you've got your job in the in the pattern in the in the, the kaleidoscope of, of activity yeah. and if you're not listening for what you're supposed to be doing in your spot you're doing the wrong thing well and and you know there's also that scripture that says not not to complicate this but there's also that scripture that says he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose so what that means is if you're operating in his will if you're in the place where he wants you to be you kind of can't mess up even if you're doing the wrong thing he'll make it come right for you but but that's if you're if your heart is to be where he wants you to be and you're working to do that, then he'll, he'll take you where you need to go. You don't have to worry that you're missing it somehow. That's, that's one that I've had reinforced to me recently. Have you? Yeah, I have. I would say, uh, I would say also that, uh, if you are steadily working, um, even Job, even Job, if you're steadily working towards his goals, you'll, you'll find that it's the right place to be. Right, whether that is... Um, well, and, and he will, and if you're in the wrong place, he'll show you the right way to go. He'll show you the right place. I don't know, any, any further thoughts here? Well, <clears throat> just... Uh, in our topic for the, the the for the moment, the topic for the video, um, how do you, I guess, uh, categorize your your uh, level of personal involvement versus group involvement? How do you decide whether it's a church or it's a mega church, right? We've been both to places that were large gatherings and wonderfully uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and seen large gatherings where no, no there's nothing there. Okay, <laughs> so there. again, this is, this is where I would say that in any circumstance you're in, when it comes to something that exists that's, that's there, you can judge it by its fruit. By, you will know them by their fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And so when you look at the lives of the people who are affected by the thing, and are their lives being affected in a positive way? Are they being affected in a negative way? What's the... And, and so from there, you can look at things like... 
And this is where, and I, there are innumerable people who will probably be angry with me for calling out a specific doctrine or a specific religion. Um, but frankly, I have no problem calling out all religions because if it has a name attached to it, so there's a place where, um, <laughs> where Paul's writing, I think it is. And he says, do not say I am of Paul or I am of Apollos, because if you, if you say those things, you're, you're putting, you're putting an emphasis in a place that's going to cause you harm. So when we talk about, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm Orthodox, I'm this, I'm that, when you identify yourself with a denomination, you're probably putting yourself into a grouping that has... that has gone wrong in some sense. And, and it's that's, funny, you know, you say that, and I would say that I've been through a number of organizations, and most of my associates don't say I am X, Y, Z. They say we are attending this style of, of association. Right? Well, the way they refer to it is that they are attending. And now that's that they because are that thing. That's, that's, that's interesting because that there's that, this internalized, well, that's partly because there's this internalized thing of, um, of don't say I am of Paul or I'm of Apollos. In in a lot of denominations, there are people who've actually seen that, and so they go, okay, we have to follow this rule. We can't say I am Baptist or I am Pentecostal because it puts them in those categories when the reality is they end up being in those categories whether they like it or not. And unless you intentionally take a step back and you look at whatever category you most closely associate yourself with and you and you take a look at its fruit, you're not going to see it very clearly. So, for example, most of my parents' family, um, both mom and dad, came from Catholic families. And a large number of my relatives are Catholic. So, a large I number have... of my friends and family as well. Huh? A large, a large number of my friends and family as well. Some well, of the closest people to me are Catholic. Well, and, and what I would say is, what that gives me is it gives me a huge amount of perspective on the lives of people around me who are Catholic. Because I've seen my whole life what it brings in their lives. And I would say that that my observation would be that there are Catholics who are Christians, but to be Catholic does not make you Christian. And in fact, I think it's rarer to know Christ and be a Catholic than it is to not know Christ and be a Catholic. And that those I know who are who attend Catholic Church or or are Catholic would say I am Catholic. I, have, and have I, a my much... opinion on this is very broad in the same way that it's terrible to sloganize. Once you've got that uh, Catholic word on it, everyone attending a Catholic school, going to a Catholic uh, organization, there's a lot of Catholic uh, uh, lumping in. How in the world could a three-year-old be anything? 
right? The three-year-old isn't is a three-year-old, and yet they're counted as Catholic, and and so you do get that that combination of of uh, both inputs and outputs. You're you're calling somebody something that is not true, and so yeah. by by definition, once you've got a grouping like that. It's very hard in my in my definition of wording to say that uh, you're not lying about someone because you're lumping them into things that they don't even know that they're lumped into. Right? You've, you've, you've gone so broad as to not even be able to hold inside yourself all of the things associated to that word. Yeah, and, and there's some value in what you're saying there, but by the same token, when people claim that as part of their identity, they open themselves up to certain things that are a part of it that aren't healthy too. So where I was going with that was that I see the Catholic church as being a bad tree. It bears bad fruit. There are good people who are in it. I know a number of them and I'm related to them. And I'm saying that because I don't want people to think that I, that I hate all Catholics or something. It couldn't be further from the truth. I love there are a lot of relatives I have who are, who would call themselves Catholic, who I love them dearly, and they have a relationship with the Lord. And that's great, but I would say it's despite being Catholic, not because of being Catholic, that they have this relationship. And a lot of times, with, with aunts and uncles who clung to that, their kids grew up to go some pretty messed up directions, where... A lot of the aunts and uncles I have who did not claim Catholicism, who instead claimed something else, their kids ended up not going such messed up directions. So you'll know them by their fruit. The Catholic Church is a bad tree. It bears bad fruit. And it is not a good thing for people to be involved in. And we can, you know, I can get into doctrine with them to a degree, but I don't like doing it because you end up getting tied up in the minutiae and you miss the bigger point, which is, a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, I certainly... It's hard to distinguish whether or not Catholicism as a, uh, as a church or as a, a thought process, however you would define it, is putting out uh, good fruit or not because they would hold within them Christians that would put out good fruit even from within that space. So that's a little bit uh, difficult to discern. Um, uh, are we at a point where we should put a, a quick pin in it for our break spot? We could I do that. To... We could do that. And then when we get back, I, I want to jump the shark. <laughs> well, uh, there's the one thing I wanted to touch base um, on another stretch of this conversation is what are fruits and what are not, right? Um we, well, let's go in, ahead and in, hit that real quick. We've, we're still only like 25 minutes in. so. Okay. So what, what strikes me is that <clears throat> specifically financial gains would likely not be considered a fruit. They're neither. They're, they're not considered. Mm, it, depends on, it depends on what sense you mean it in. If you're talking about... Is the is the business that I am working for, or the you know the the project that I am working on viable or not? One of the fruits that you could look to would be financial. 
So in some context, it could be. And, and I think in any context, there's something that you could look at. I think that that's irrelevant. We've had this discussion before where um, the Bible is most likely the, the most purchased book and a vast number of people will buy it just to have it on the shelf. It becomes more of a peer pressure item where people need to have it, even though it's never opened. Whereas what you're aiming for is a maximal number of young people reading the stories. You want the words to be read. You do not care as much about the money being made. Your fruits will be people that are uh, associated to and, and fond of the, the literature. Right? right, right. But but by the same token, if if I have a garbage collection business and I'm going and hauling trash cans 10 miles each direction by hand on foot every day, and I'm not making a lot of money doing it, that should be an indicator to me that maybe there's a better way to approach this problem. I don't the see... Same person in that job, but the same person in that job making very little money, but... Um, staying fit his whole life and attracting a, uh, a spouse that, that finds that attractive in him and they produce many children and they feed all of those children and they all find happiness with no money doing that same task in that same way, I, the money is irrelevant. Right. I, I understand what you're saying, but my point is that what in any... Fruits? and And you're trying to insist that you can't use certain things as fruits. And what I'm saying is that depending on the context in which you're looking at things, anything can be a fruit. If your intent is to make money to support your family, then there are things that are more effective and things that are less effective. If you have other intents there, if you have other purposes there, then you have to balance those things and there will be fruits of those things as well. It's like this whole writing this book thing that I've done. There is a possibility or probability that it will make significant money sometime down the road but as of today it hasn't made a whole lot of money does that mean it's not valid well if what i was looking for were purely to make money right now i would not be doing this i would be doing something else but at the same time if you were writing terrible uh, uh paragraphs if, if words were not put together well then even over the long term you would not pick up customer base you wouldn't have readership it's true, and, and you know, if 10 years from now I'm not making any money from this, then I'm going to consider that to be a pretty good indicator that my time is being wasted and I should be spending it somewhere else because it isn't doing what it needs to be doing. And probably before that, I will run out of the ability to keep doing it. So the, the point is, the point is, Anything can be the fruit of something in the proper context. It's just a question of what it is you're asking. Hmm. I would I would try to find some concrete uh, uh, fruits. I would say that uh, healthy, um, physically and mentally healthy children. I would say new knowledge. Greg? Whether that's Greg, whether that's hold up, hold up. Fruits of what? Fruits for what? If you if you ask the question, good if you just say good fruits, then that could mean anything depending on what your aim is. If your aim is to say if you, what you're saying is I want to live a fulfilled life, what are the good fruits that describe that? 
then you have a useful enough category that you can start asking that question. But just saying good fruits is too big a category. Interesting. I would say that, that uh, there are disqualifications for those things that we have tropes about that money doesn't uh, uh, buy happiness, things like that. Um, you could do things that, that uh, provide you um, a huge number of children, but you stole 100 kids from the neighboring village and they're coming to kill you, right? So right, well, how does the story end might be another uh, way to look at that, right? Doing things that, that provide you a, a full picture to a positive end. Right, and, and in the... In the long run, that is what you're looking for. But we're just human, man. We have to, we have to take a slice of things as best we can and go. Okay, is this bearing good fruit in my life? Is this, is this leading to positive outcomes compared to people who are doing the same, th or have the same goal but are doing it a different way? And if it does lead to good outcomes compared to people who have have uh, the same goal and are doing it a different way, you know. So let me just use this writing as an example. If I'm making enough money to take care of my family, I have enough time to write, but I'm also doing, you know, other things like this podcast and maybe speaking to, you know, at this or that occasion, whatever, that's great. That, that shows that I have a balanced life and I have enough. Maybe there are people who are writing a book a month, 50,000 words a month, and they're putting that out there and they're making 10 times the money I am. Okay, fine. You know, but they don't have these other things in their life that give them a full life because that's all they have time for is this writing that they're doing. Well, that suggests to me that there's a problem, right? Sure. Sure. And so, certainly if it was the difference of um, somebody that hated every minute of it, Right, they were sort of were miserable doing that task, mm -hmm. but they were making plenty of money at, at that task. It's probably a going to destroy the they're 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 going to be the fig tree that shrivels, right? They're first personally going to shrivel in that space, yeah. but also, um, generally, it has been that those rushed out works, those un, unloved works, end up feeling very generic they don't have staying power you're right that's true and and i'm not i'm not arguing with you but if their goal is just to make money and that's what they know how to do then i suppose that's what they're ending up with but to me for the fruit that i'm looking for it doesn't fit right it's correct it's correct Everything we do, everything we do in life is with a purpose, and that purpose should be the fruit that we're aiming for. So if, if something is accomplishing its purpose, if it is giving good fruit, then that's great. And if it's not, well, then something needs to change. And so when we're talking about bringing this back to churches, when we're talking about the church, if... If it gives you a re relationship with God that leads you to all of the fruits of the Spirit and to and it, it leads you to a life where your children are faithful and all of the outworkings. Because when we're talking about Christianity, it means that the, the, the lives of the people who are involved 
tend to have good fruit. They tend to be bearing fruit. That's what discipleship does. That's why we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not the pursuit of the Spirit. It's like the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, and, you know, we could go down the list. Those are the results of the Spirit working in your life. They're not things that you pursue or work on. They're the fruit of that, right? And so if, if we're talking about a church... Does that church bear good fruit? Well, how many of the people who who attend that church actually live a life that is a faithful Christian life? And I would say that when you have when you have a significant percentage of your congregation that is in favor of something like abortion or in favor of something like uh, the whole rainbow coalition, the, the LGBTQ whatever thing, that you've got a problem because it shows that they're walking away from God. I think that the way that it is presently uh, discussed certainly does. I think that... Uh, certainly it, does it what? I, I don't... The, the, topics, the topic of abortion, the topic of uh, LGBTQ plus in the church is discussed in a uh, horribly demonic, horribly uh, uh, inappropriate manner. But I don't actually think that the uh, mechanics and the science, the reality of the of the topic is what is discussed. Well, it doesn't matter. It, it's a question of, it's a question of, do these things bear good fruit in your life? No, they're traumatic and they damage people. They're evil. They can. But they're, they no, they do. Us. They do. There's no can. There's no. There's no question. These things, one hundred percent of the time, they damage people. I disagree only because the way that it is stated now, it does not matter what they're taking out, even if it is not something you and I would classify as a human baby. Literally, if it's a massive sale cells, if it's a cancer, literally. They call it an abortion. So that the is words not true. they use, I promise you. No, it's they, not. They it's not true. Waters, I disagree. That's not what, that's not what, that is not what goes on. The idea of killing a healthy uh, baby, I'm going to call it a baby because yeah, that's what I feel that's like. that's what it is. it is. The idea of killing a healthy baby is not something that the most people feel like they're arguing for. I don't agree. I think that, that when you look at what people think they're arguing for that that is exactly it no 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 one that i know i i certainly have the conversation often enough around uh, family and friends and for those people that have uh, a stomach to to allow it at all that what they have in mind is not the voluntary murder of a healthy child in a belly they, they do not have that in their brain i find that when i talk to people and and Back during my college days, I did a whole bunch of talking about this stuff, that when I talked to people, that was exactly what they had in their mind, that, that a lot of times they couldn't bring themselves to state it plainly because there's something about it that is obviously evil and wrong, so they have to use euphemism, but that murdering a healthy baby is exactly what they had in mind. 
and generally speaking, I, the perception that most people that I associate with is that I don't have to, just in like broad terms, I being anybody, don't have to sacrifice my life for another. So I don't have to jump in front of a bus to save somebody, right? That's the concept. So in a situation where it's one death or another, it's a choice of death, right? That's the concept that most people have in their mind. Nobody considers the voluntary death of a, of a healthy person. Not in reality. When you do have those people that say, I don't care, let's just, you know, sacrifice the, uh, the unhealthy, sacrifice the un unfit, those people look very bad very quickly. Well, and I, I don't agree with you here. I think that that's exactly what they're doing and that that's exactly what they say and that there are a number of, you know, that, that many people try to justify it to themselves some other way, but that they're they're not being honest with themselves or something because what they're what they're advocating is the murder of healthy human being right but it would it would require a, a nomenclature differentiation you got to call it something else and they will not so that they can hide right for those people that do want to make makeup goodness knows what they're doing with the bodies they've done terrible things in the past yeah you know we are basically a little past break time here. You want to just take a quick break and we'll come back? Yep, let's do a quick break. All right, be back in a minute. Be back in a minute. Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by the Energemetra 6 universe and by the upcoming book Bright Star by me, Jared Michaud. If you're interested in reading the book, head over to e6universe.com. Uh, I'm still looking for people for the book launch team. In return for posting a few reviews on bookstore sites and sharing on your own social media, you can get a free physical copy of the book. And... Uh, read it that way, or if you'd like, we do have a few copies for sale for pre-sale between now and April of 2024 when the book comes out. Modern Apocrypha is made possible by North Arrow Coffee. It's the pro-life coffee company where 15% of every sale goes to a pro-life cause. And it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company. Everybody I know who I have... Uh, given North Arrow Coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful and they're not a company that hates you. So if you're interested, head over to northarrowcoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order. back welcome back everyone so you were saying you think that that our only real disagreement here is oh yeah just talking about um, uh, uh, the abortion topic in general or yeah really all topics as we're as we're uh, going through Catholicism or, or any of the, the broad religions and sloganizing um, is, is the idea that the enemy uh, commandeering words and holding for or against a word becomes a slogan and 
and denying 100% of any word will hurt somebody. It's, well, no, there's I, no 100. And I guess what I would say is that for anyone whose goal is understanding, they'll end up where you and I are. We may argue about things, but really, when it comes down to it, we're brothers, we both follow Christ, and so... If we have a disagreement that's really serious, maybe it would make us part ways, you know, that we saw that in the apostles in the in the Bible at a particular time. But that would be a pretty extreme thing. That would be a difficult place to reach where most of the time, if our goal is understanding, we'll come to a place where we go, you know, I understand that what you mean, that you, Greg, mean that babies... Sh- healthy babies should not be killed and that your problem is with the way these words are being used. I get that. And you know that I understand the same thing. You think that I'm trying to be too um, dogmatic in my use of a word, maybe. But but I would say my experience, as far as that goes, is that that the enemy tends to commandeer words and people just let it happen instead of saying no this isn't right this is not the way this word is used and if we let it be used that way then we're giving the enemy ground and you know if people want to be hurt by something they're going to find something to be hurt by but if they want to understand that you and I are both in favor of not murdering people not killing people we want people to be happy and healthy then (laughs) you know if people want to understand that then we'll come to an agreement and if they don't well they'll find a way to disagree with us one other point before we move on that i just sort of want to reiterate here is that even if even if you have people who misunderstand a word, who are misusing a word, who are attending a particular church, that's a sign that the enemy is being successful in that church and that there's bad fruit there. The idea being, if what we're looking at is a fairly simple way to tell whether an organization is producing good or bad fruit, then one of the ways that you can see that they're producing bad fruit is that the words that they're using are not are not being used in as truthful as possible a manner. Through intentional means, not just through ignorance. Well, and, and even, at some level, even ignorance is a bad fruit because the spirit will correct us when we go wrong in a serious way out of ignorance. He corrects those he loves. He chastens those he calls sons. I've heard it um, brought up and commented on that uh, the pure uh, abolishment that's the word. The pure abolishment of a topic may be uh, uh, unscriptural, like prohibition. It goes against uh, drink light, don't drink heavy of wine. It doesn't say don't drink no wine, right? So in well, that concept, um, one of the best I've ever heard uh, was actually a, a, a female Christian. She was uh, speaking on stage, having a, yeah. uh, a debate about abortion, and just got 
you know, flooded with the, the uh, message that it's a difference in kind. It's a difference in kind, right? No one drink is going to kill someone. One abortion does kill someone. It's a difference in kind. It's true. It's a difference in kind of thing. It's like saying, how much murder do we allow? Well, when you define murder as an attack upon someone's person, not a defense, because murder isn't defense. When you're defending yourself, that's a different thing. That isn't murder. When you define murder as an attack on someone's person, how much murder is okay? I Well, and you do get into the weeds about the definition of, of uh, murder versus uh, killing, because uh, a, a death is not necessarily a murder. That, that's <clears> why I brought up the whole defense versus right. offense thing, right? Well, and is it defensive to do a preemptive strike on someone who's planning to attack you? That sort of thing comes around. Well, and, and you'll always run into places on the margins where two topics meet, where you could get into... <sighs> you could get into all sorts of discussions and get pulled off into the weeds. And that's why I wanted to bring up this whole, you'll know them by their fruit thing in the first place, because there's something about human beings where it's easy to get us off into the weeds when you find those marginal issues. But when you ask the overall question, is their life overall bearing good fruit? Is their organization overall bearing good fruit? we're usually pretty good at making a judgment about that. It's, it's one of the ways that Jordan Peterson has really uh, pulled the discussion back onto the proper topic is by saying, you be honest with yourself and improve your own honesty and improve the way the words you're using and the actions you're taking so that you and your conscience are satisfied with them. Try doing that and see how that works out for you. And because we're not then talking about the the intricacies of the subject in trying to to le- you know to lawyer it, instead we're just saying try living by your conscience and see how that impacts you. People actually start to get it some. But the other thing, and in the reverse, what that tells us is that our society has gotten to such a place of lawyering and rules and minutia that when you confront people with the notion of a conscience it's a revolutionary thing and that's a little sad well and it brings back into the the idea of defense and offense you can't be defensive in christ you've got to be proactive 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 if you're not moving um towards the right goal towards the goal then you all all you're doing is dodging all you're doing is not being the head that sticks up the most you know the the nail that sticks up the most all you're doing is protecting what you perceive as your your treasure as opposed to working towards the goal that is set out for you And, and so that does become a big deal to aim for something as opposed to sit and then you're just dodging and dodging and dodging. You and I both definitely agree on this, but I got to say the way you use the way you pulled that from one context to another sure confused me for a second. I see. That's yeah. Certainly the, the image that came to my mind. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, anyhow, so that that to me that's the crux of this thing is that when I 
when I try to evaluate whether something is good or bad, I try not to judge other people any more than I can help because, but for the grace of God, there go I. I can't think of a situation that I couldn't, that I couldn't end up in because I see the evil in my own heart way too clearly for that. But at the same time, I do have to make judgments about whether things are good or bad for me, right? It's like, do I eat this food? Do I go to this place? Do it, well, And the, the, the example that came into my head there, I'll just leave it. But the idea is, I have to make judgments about what's good and bad for my life. And usually, the best way for me to do that is to look at the fruit that those things produce in other people. It's an interesting place to go. Let, let me uh, get your input on the topic of uh, um, we both have a more complicated relationship with uh, something like an online game uh, circle, an online game um, portion of our life than our parents did. Yeah. Um, and they might have looked at someone that played games um, as something separate from the way that we might look at something like that as community building and and um not so frivolous even because it was it might have been something much more purely frivolous um the idea of community building and um what you might see as a scam from barnum and bailey being a, a true uh place to decompress and and find uh you know community it just wasn't the same in previous generations. I mean, if you were off attending Barnum and Bailey, you may very well starve. You know, you weren't taking care of the farm. You know, there was something else that was giving up too much for that. And certainly, people give up too much for their games now. You can always give up oh, yeah. too much to to any particular topic. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. That digging in and delving into something like a frivolous activity that is, may be used for a non-frivolous end. You know, the best, what would I say, the best quote I've ever heard on this, I'm not going to remember where it came from. It came through Ravi Zacharias, but it came from a missionary who lived close to 100, 150 years ago, uh, somewhere in there, who asked his mom, and I'm sure somebody will let me know who this is from, because this is a fairly well-known story. Um, but somebody asked his mom, how do I know if something is a sin or not? And her answer to him was something along the lines of, if it refreshes you and helps you to move towards your goal, then it's a valid leisure activity. If it, if it, drags you down into a pit then you've gone from valid leisure activity into something sinful and i find that when it comes to games that's pretty much true of me there have been times when i have been very very active in online games and i've spent as much time playing games as i have working and sometimes that's been a bad thing, and other times it's actually not been a bad thing, because I was creating a community for people who needed a community. Who, it, it, was a, it was a source of life and light, and we had some of the most tight-knit 
I mean, just to give you some example, these are the people who have bought my book. My family didn't buy my book. My friends didn't buy my book. The people who bought the book were, were the people I played games with, and it's because we got to be such good friends, and we care about each other that much. So it created a bond there that was really meaningful. But other times when I've played games and I've spent so much time at it, all I've done is drag myself down. And, you know, to some degree it depends on the game. To others it depends on the people. But I would say that that that, that distinction, if it refreshes you and moves you towards your goal, then it's a good thing. And if it, um, if it drags you into a pit, then it's a bad thing, is a pretty good way to make that judgment. I, can, I think that's a pretty good uh, pin to put on it, yeah. I can see um, every hobby, right, whether it would be uh, old-fashioned baseball cards or, oh gosh, sure. what's the newfangled thing that people might collect these days. Um, but yeah, certainly just... How about writing? That's a hobby that I've seen go be either a very good thing or a very bad thing. Anything. As you said, anything. Anything can be. And... You know, it's interesting. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I actually think it's really relevant here. One of the things that God put in place for us is this whole relationship with other people thing. It's really the core of everything that matters in the world in so many ways. You know, we have... We have to have a certain amount of food and water, but by and large, for most people, that isn't something that they fight with constantly, is having enough food and water. Instead, what we end up spending most of our time on as human beings is relationships with other people. And I have to think that that's by God's design, that that's what he intended. It is certainly backed up through all of our... Uh, uh mechanical parts and all of the all of the bits and, and bobs that we're made of certainly provide that outcome yeah we are, what i'm speaking to towards uh, more specifically is that we are oh gosh how would you say um show fighters if you look at an ape versus a lion versus an alligator right they'll each have a certain uh strength and what what primates what we uh as the grouping of five-fingered mammals on the planet do, is um, make loud noises, look bigger, right? We we act. We we build uh, a perspective, build a narrative along every level, and and we make everyone else want uh, believe it, and we believe it ourselves, and that's that's the the path we're following. Yeah, no, that's that's a good that's a good illustration. Interesting. It is. It is. Just the top to bottom that we are um, actors of a sort. We are. Well, and, and that, that acting is all about the relationship. It's all about the somehow how this comes across to other people, the, the relationship this gives us with other people. It's, it's why celebrity works. It's why so many things in our world do act the way they act is because people have such a such a draw toward relationship with others. Huh. So back to the Catholic Church and why they are um, 
broad based at a, at a negative spot. Uh, certainly on an organizational level, they have grown to a point where they have that, uh, what did you call it? Uh, the, the separation of information where they feel like you've got to get to a certain level to be revealed. All oh, the, 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 no, the Gnostic hierarchy characteristics? Right. They, they certainly have what they consider to be hidden information that they don't spread around. Right? They, they hide information they believe to be true. Um, they hold to things that may not flow. I'm trying to, they try to codify things across areas that it may not necessarily uh, be the appropriate fit in, in that area. Right. They want one one codified Catholic Church across well, the I, entire world. I, I don't. I, I'm using the Catholic Church as an example because it's so personally applicable to my life. But I wanted to generalize a little bit as well. I wanted to say that when it comes to other organizations, I can't think of an organization that is a religious organization in particular that is that doesn't go bad after you know a significant you know any significant length of time in existing it's like it's almost as if we're not really supposed to have church organizations because that that's a bad road to go down because every time it happens it winds up bearing bad fruit so is the church organization um ideally set up as a household organization this is a topic for a whole podcast all its own. That's fair. That's fair. We'll have to, to bring that back around in a, another podcast. But for my, sure. my whole point in this and where I wanted to go with this, you'll know them by their fruit, is just that we need to examine these things real carefully. We need to see what the whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. Is it bringing us closer to Christ or is it pushing us away from him? And if it's bringing us closer, well then that's something we ought to be engaging in. But there will come a point with each of these church organizations where it's the people who matter, and you engage with the organization because of the people around you, and if the organization gets to a particular level of bad, it's time to walk away from it. But but well, it's all about the people. Know, certainly. We know that uh, uh, the scripture I'm referring to or, or, or that comes to mind is to not put a stumbling block in front of your brother uh, and that stumbling block of a of a, a long-lasting uh hierarchy is going to force away you're you're denying access to the lord to someone you need to provide a pathway for anyone to reach it and it it puts up walls to, that they can and do prevent people from reaching christ that's sure what i've seen it's about time we call it here. Yep, I think that's a good spot to stop. We'll see you next time, folks. Thank you. Yep, we'll see you next time. Thank you.